everyone, you're listening to Bionic Bug Podcast with fiction author and national security expert Natasha Bajma. Join me as I discuss the latest news about emerging technology, read chapters from Bionic Bug, and explore the real-life technologies featured in my novel. We'll discuss where fiction meets reality in the future. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bionic Bug Podcast. You are listening to episode number 39. This is your host, Natasha Bajma, fiction author, futurist, and national security expert. I'm recording this episode on January 13, 2019, and if you're listening carefully, you know that you're getting a bonus episode this weekend, and that is thanks to the winter storm, since right now it's still snowing, and it's very difficult to get out and about today, so I have extra time on my hands. All right, let's talk tech. I have another tech headline for you this weekend. DARPA thinks insect brains might hold the secret to the next-gen AI, published on Defense One on January 10th. If you've read Bionic Bug or are following this podcast, then you know why I love this headline. So what is it about? DARPA is soliciting ideas on how to build computing systems as small and efficient as the brains of very small flying insects. The new program is called the Microscale Biomimetic Robust Artificial Intelligence Networks Programs, or Microbrain. I gotta love a good acronym. I bet you they spent a long time coming up with that one. Understanding highly integrated sensory and nervous systems in miniature insects and developing prototype computation models could be mapped onto suitable hardware in order to emulate their impressive function. So think about it. Much of AI thus far has been focused on developing systems that mimic the human brain, but the human brain contains between 60 to 70 billion interconnected neurons. That's very complicated to mimic in terms of programming or even um, AI machine learning, but by contrast, Some insect brains contain less than 1,000 neurons, making their brains much easier to map. So despite that small number of neurons, insects are capable of enormously sophisticated activities, especially coordinated activities over thousands of individual insects. Think about how ants work together to build their mounds and tunnel systems, or how certain insects swarm swarm to devour a target. DARPA will provide up to $1 million in funding two groups to create a physical model of insects' neural systems, analyze how insects' brains develop over time, and design hardware platforms that mimic the neural structure of those brains. Responses to the solicitation are due on February 4, in case you're interested, and the program is expected to launch on April 3. Since I've read this article, I have actually been tinkering of the notion of a return of the Beatles in the Laura Kingsley series. I can't make any promises But this idea of converging insects with AI definitely has lit a fire, so stay tuned for that. Speaking of beetles, let's turn to Bionic Bug. Last week, Lara got closer to uncovering Fiddler's true intentions and tries to stop him. Let's find out what happens next. Chapter 39, Poison Darts. After a few minutes, Lara lifted her head to see how far she'd gotten. She'd almost cleared the entire marina. The dockmaster was gone from sight. Fifty feet away, she glimpsed a sign at the end of the last dock, marked with the letter H. Need to make it to the dock. Her limbs numbed and grew heavy in the freezing water. With each stroke, her breathing slowed, becoming labored. A wave of exhaustion came over her. A sudden collision sent pain throughout her aching body. Startled, she looked up to find the pylon of Dock H right in front of her. Heaving her upper body onto the dock, she lay there face down for a few minutes. 
her feet still dangling in the water. Rolling herself over to catch her breath, she stared up at the white fiberglass hull of a 72-foot motor yacht, moored at slip two on the end of the dock. Her eyes wandered to the name on its side, the Spielmann. Lara launched herself to her feet, wringing out her clothes and shaking her head at her dumb luck. Without trying, she'd found Fiddler's boat. From the outside, the boat appeared to be empty, floating peacefully on the water. Without making a sound, Lara drew her gun, crossed the boarding ramp, and slipped into the main deck on the stern. Once on the boat, dripping sounds followed her every move, forming small puddles wherever she stepped. Peering inside the window of the saloon, Lara saw, found no sign of Fiddler or his beetles. If he's here, Fiddler must be down below. She pointed her gun forward, walked through the door into the saloon and toward the galley kitchen, checking every nook and cranny. The teak wooden interior of the yacht was spotless, like it hadn't been lived in, but was cleaned frequently. Even the coffee pot in the kitchen was unused. Peeking into the pilot house at the bow of the yacht, she found no evidence of activity at the helm. The yacht appeared to be abandoned. Lara climbed deftly down to the lower deck. The small landing at the bottom of the stairs led to five identical doors. She'd been on a yacht only once in her life, when she was a little girl. If this yacht had any resemblance to the one she remembered, each of the doors would open to a luxury stateroom. As she reached for the doorknob to the middle room, it swung open and slammed against the wall. Vic came tumbling out, falling to his knees, gagged, and with his hands tied behind his back. His black hair was disheveled and greasy. His pale, gaunt face made his dark eyes appear oversized, and the look of terror on his face more pronounced. Fiddler came out of the room right behind him with a wicked grimace on his face. He jammed a gun into Vic's back, causing him to whimper through his gag. Lara, I had a feeling you might be joining us, Fiddler said, his upper lip curling. Looks like you had a run-in with the old dockmaster, eh? He eyed her drenched clothes up and down. I do pay him generously to keep his mouth shut and any unwanted visitors out of my hair. How did you find me? Your daughter told me, Lara said defiantly, defi defiantly, pointing her gun back at him. Her hand trembled slightly. You're lying, Fiddler ro roared, waving his gun about and sending Lara back a few steps. Drop the gun now or I'll end your friend's life right here. Lara kept her gun trained on Fiddler. He poked the gun into the side of Vic's head. Do it now! Vic's eyes bulged out of their sockets. Okay, it's going to be okay, Vic. Slowly, Lara bent over and put her gun on the floor. Now kick it to me, Fiddler demanded. Lara kicked the gun half-heartedly toward Fiddler, forcing him to step forward and pick it up. If you try anything funny, your friend will die. Fiddler ripped the gag off of Vic's mouth, causing him to wince in pain. Vic looked at her with apologetic eyes. I'm so sorry, Lara. I tracked Fiddler to the boat using traffic analysis and the digispecs. Turns out they knew I was coming and intercepted me before I... Vic, don't worry about it. You did good. She gave him a reassuring look. Now's not the time to get emotional. Yes, Vic, you did good, Fiddler hissed. You used the glasses I sent you as a gift and brought her to me. Honestly, I didn't expect my decoy hack would make you miss the nearly untraceable remote access program I installed to track your usage. But it worked. And now, thanks to you, I get to force Lara to witness deaths of hundreds of people and she'll watch me kill you. Vic shuddered. Lara raised an eyebrow. I knew using those glasses was a bad idea. Fiddler pointed the gun at Lara. Move, he motioned for her to open the next door. Why are you doing this, Lara asked, opening the door. I don't understand. You lied to me. 
You've been lying to me this whole time to get information on my plans. I know why you pretended to be interested in working for me. You thought you could play me, to stop me somehow. I'm trying to bring about justice for my mother, my son-in-law, and for my grandson, and you interfered. You will pay for your betrayal. Fiddler kicked Vic in the back, his eyes narrowing. Get up! With his hands tied behind his back, Vic struggled to get up. Lara rushed over to help him. Fiddler motioned for her to stop and pressed the gun into Vic's back, shoving him forward. Move! He pushed Vic in toward the next door, which opened into a high-tech command center, lined with video screens displaying feeds from the Beetle cameras. Fiddler waved his gun, motioning for Lara to follow him. Once inside, Fiddler closed and locked the door behind them. The shades were drawn and the room was pitch black except for the light coming from the video screens. Where are your precious beetles? Lara asked. Oh yes, my babies. Fiddler's eyes grew bright. The beetle swarm is resting quietly in the trees at the Pentagon near the ribbon cutting ceremony that has just started. They await my attack command. Once I give it, they will descend upon the crowd like a plague, taking revenge for my family and teaching the U.S. government an important lesson. But your beetles aren't carrying the plague, are they? Lara asked. Fiddler clasped his hands together and said with glee, Oh, my dear, you've exceeded my wildest expectations. Tell me, how did you figure it out? Lara shrugged. It wasn't hard. You told me yourself the beetles weren't carrying the plague before you put me in the tank. And there was that picture of the golden frog on your wall in the laboratory. The FBI found two golden dart frogs in your office. But what sealed the deal for me was the stamp in your passport showing that you traveled to Columbia recently. That was no coincidence. She stretched her neck. I'm curious. Why did you change your mind about using the plague? Smart girl. I was truly inspired by Cybershop's choice of weapon, botulinum toxin. It made me realize the plague was a clumsy option. It would take days before people would get sick and they might be saved with antibiotics. So you decided to go with a toxin instead, Lara added. Yes, after some thought, I decided a toxin would be a much more effective weapon. So I did some research and found Batra-O-Toxin was the ideal choice. Can you believe those idiot scientists published the synthetic formula for a dangerous toxin in open literature? All in the name of science? No thought given to what might happen if the wrong madman got hold of such a deadly formula? The hard work was already done for me. All I had to do was produce a sufficient quantity of the toxin. Of course, I collected a few live specimens in Columbia to get 100% confirmation I had the correct formula. Plus, the frogs mate delightful pets, don't you think? But how are you going to deliver it? Lara asked. The beetles can't transfer the toxin through their saliva. Oh, it's quite ingenious, actually. You see, I've constructed microdots, darts made from tiny needles used to inject diabetics with insulin. I fill these tiny needles with small amounts of the toxin and attach them to the beetle's backpacks. When a beetle bites a victim, the cap on the needle slides backward, activating a small spring mechanism, causing the needle to puncture their skin. The spring pushes the plunger forward and delivers a tiny amount of the toxin, just enough to send them into cardio cardiac arrest within a few minutes. You want to see one? Lara nodded. The toxin would kill people instantly, and there was no antidote. Fiddler posed a much greater threat than she'd anticipated, and as a result, many people would die. It's all my fault. He fooled me. Fiddler opened a desk drawer, pulled out a tiny dart less than a half inch long, and gave it to her. 
Holding it between her thumb and index finger and squinting her eyes, she could see the coil spring was pressurized and a small cap covered the needle. Suddenly the cap moved backward and the tiny needle pricked her thumb. Feeling the blood drain from her face, Lara recoiled and dropped the micro dart on the floor. A drop of blood appeared on her thumb where the needle had pierced her skin. I'm poisoned? Riddler laughed, clearly enjoying himself. Don't worry, that one doesn't have any toxin in it. That would be dangerous to give you a weapon, don't you think? I'm not crazy, you know. He paused for a moment, watching her recover from her horror. Did you know poison dark frogs became toxic because of the beetles in their diet? The poison came from beetles. He threw his head back, laughed heartily. It all comes full circle. And now the toxin will be delivered by beetles. There's nothing better than good irony. Fiddler paused and gazed at her fondly. You know, it's such a shame. What? Lara asked. With that head of yours, I bet you you'd figure out Cybershop's identity in short order. It seems I placed my bet on the wrong horse. Sully was good at his job, no, no doubt. But you, you, my dear, are brilliant. Sadly, it's too late for regrets or second thoughts. Fiddler turned his attention toward the video screens. The screen directly in front of her appeared to be focused up close greenery, perhaps the leaves on a tree. Among the leaves, she glimpsed the metallic beetles and shivered. Can you see my beauties hiding in the leaves, waiting to descend on their victims? Fiddler asked, smiling at her. He began typing commands into his computer to communicate with his beetle swarm. Lara could see the leaves quiver and the swarm move about the trees in response. Ashton developed a fully autonomous navigation system for me, but I prefer to have a bit more control. The beetles respond to wireless signals sent from my computer. I've pre-programmed a range of commands on the microchip on their backpacks. Fiddler activated a single beetle and directed the camera toward the Secretary of Defense, who spoke from behind the podium. Over the audio, Lara could hear the crowd in the parking lot clap enthusiastically in response to his remarks. A few feet away, the defense from the defense secretary, she caught sight of the NSA director and the USAMRID commander. His targets are in view. Lara, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to do the honors. What honors? Lara asked, her lips trembling. Fiddler gave her a wicked look. I want you to press the activate button, which will send my beetle swarm to inject unsuspecting victims with the deadly toxin. No, I won't do it. Lara shook her head vigorously. If you want your friend to live, you don't have a choice. Fiddler pressed his gun against Fick's forehead. Press the enter key. Lars shook her head. Press enter now, Fiddler hissed, his finger hovering over the trigger. Her hand shaking, Lar pressed the enter key. The swarm responded immediately, flew straight up in the air, and then descended slowly in a circular motion, hovering for a few moments above the crowd. She felt her pocket buzz, but she didn't dare look down. I should have worn the damn thing for once. Fiddler stared intently at the video screens, giving her a brief window of opportunity. Slowly, she reached her hand into her jacket pocket. Tilting the screen toward her, she saw a text from Manita. I'm in the crowd, near the front. Fiddler, call off the attack now or Anita will die, Lara shouted. She's in the audience at the Pentagon. You don't want her to die, do you? Fiddler shoved her aside and began rapidly typing new commands into the computer. The beetle swarm froze in the air, hovering then flying in a circle above the crowd. With a joystick, Fiddler controlled a single beetle again, directing it to fly down toward the crowd. The camera on its back zoomed in to get a closer look at the people standing below. Over the video screen, Lara spotted the tall and striking blonde woman standing in front of the crowd. Anita seemed to spot the beetle with the camera and waved. 
Fiddler threw the joystick across the room and began pacing. Lara eyed the gun he'd set down on the desk. How did this happen? He roared, his rage exploding as he kicked the wall and swept his hand across the table, flinging a notebook and a cup of pens across the floor. Turning to Lara, he pointed a finger at her chest. You! You did this! You told Anita to come here and ruin my plans! Fiddler paced back and forth, wringing his hands. Lara inched closer to the desk, just a few more feet. Fiddler stopped and stared at his daughter on the video screen. His expression dulled, and the light in his eyes disappeared. No, this doesn't change anything. I will have my revenge. Anita has lost everything and can't bear to live without her family anyway. You're the one who has put her in danger. While Fiddler picked up the joystick from the floor, Lara dove for the gun. As Fiddler pressed the attack button and the beetle swarm dove into the crowd, Lara pointed the gun at Fiddler. Call it off now or I'll shoot. The video screen revealed beetles swarming their victims below, and people began running in all directions, screaming, I said now! Fiddler shook his head. Pointing the gun, Lara fired around into his chest. Fiddler convulsed and sank against the wall, the joystick falling from his hand onto the floor. Lara lunged for the joystick and began fiddling with the buttons, trying to make the beetles stop their attack. She looked at the video screen, horrified, as the swarm became more energized. Damn it, I just made things worse. Lara, let me try, Vic shouted, holding up his hands restrained by plastic ties. Her head spinning, she yanked open the door of the table where the notebook and pens had been, found a letter opener, and sawed off the plastic ties. After shaking his arms out, Vic went to work on the joystick. The beetles responded immediately to his commands. With a loud crack, the door burst open, starting, startling Lara. Rob barreled through the door, his gun drawn, Justine close behind him. They both appeared to be shocked to find Fiddler crumpled on the floor, bleeding from his upper chest near the shoulder. Are you okay? Rob asked. Lara nodded, her eyes glued to the video screen as Vic guided the beetle swarm away from the crowd. He typed additional commands into the computer, and the beetle swarm flew back into the trees. How did you do that? Lara asked. It's rather simple, Lara. Vic gave her a toothy grin. Of course it was. Lara smiled, glad to have him back. She turned to Rob. How did you find us? We heard about the shooting at the marine over the radio, but it was Justine who located you, Rob said. Justine nodded. Of course it helped. Rob knew where you, you were ready over here. For the life of me, I don't know why he didn't follow your nose for these things. The beetle transmitters operate on a frequency. Once we figured out which one Fiddler was using to communicate with them, we used radio source triangulation to track the signal back to the boat. But I thought the signals were encrypted, Lara said. Fiddler was using an encrypted frequency, but with advanced decryption technology, we were able to pick up the signals, Justine said. Lara looked back at, her screens and, at the screens and bit her lip. How many casualties are there? I'm not sure, Rob said, looking confused. People seem shaken up, but I haven't heard about any injuries or deaths. That's strange, Lara tapped her chin with one finger. No heart attacks? Rob shook his head. What about the beetles? Lara asked. First priority is getting folks medical attention if, they, if needed, he said, and then we'll take care of the beetles as we planned. If I ever see another metallic beetle again, it will be one day too soon, Lara said. Yeah, you and me both, sweetheart, Rob smirked. Thanks for listening to the Bionic Bug Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can also support my time in producing the show with Patreon. 
at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Natasha Bajma. See you next week.